You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You don't just live in your home. You live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com what do you do when life doesn't go according to plan? That moment you lose a job, or a loved one, or even a piece of yourself. I'm Brooke Shields, and this is Now What? A podcast about pivotal moments as told by people who lived them. Each week I sit down with a guest to talk about the times they were knocked off course and what they did to move forward. Some stories are funny. Others are gut-wrenching. But all are unapologetically human and remind us that every success and every setback is accompanied by a choice. And that choice answers one question. Now what? What did that that strong-willed, I'm-not-getting-off-the-swing little girl (laughs) um, dream for herself? Oh gosh, let's see. Well, when I, I mean, it's, it's given my history, it is pretty funny that for a little while when I was very young, I um, had decided that I wanted to grow up and be president. So, <laughs> well, that's, well, you know, okay. Oh, well, you, you, you got know, there, uh, you got into the Oval Office. <laughs> yeah. You can always say like, that. Wrong way, uh, wrong track. My guest today doesn't need an introduction, but rather a reintroduction, one that I feel is long overdue. Monica Lewinsky is a producer, an activist, a public speaker, and a contributing editor to Vanity Fair. In the 25 years since her relationship with former President Bill Clinton made her both a household name and patient zero for online harassment, she's become an expert on the effects of cyberbullying earning a master's degree in social psychology from the London School of Economics and Political Science. Her now viral TED Talk on the matter has racked up more than 21 million views, and that was just the beginning. Monica's now what moment is clear, but her resilience, her drive, and her refusal to let the world make her bitter, that story has yet to be told. I so admire her. She's one of the bravest people I know, and I am honored that she made a point to join me. So here is Monica Lewinsky. 
first of all, Monica Lewinsky, I just want to say hi, friend, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brooke. It's so sweet. And congratulations on the documentary. Thank you. Yes, I I think that you are going to really appreciate it and, and identify with it in lots of different little ways. But um, just just to kind of, you know, jump in a little bit, what are you working on right now? Um, so for the last several years, I have been uh, focusing on and, and trying to build a career in producing, Got so it. producing television. I saw the documentary, 15 Minutes oh. of Shame. I thought it was oh. beautifully done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Max Joseph, who was the director, did a, a really fantastic job. And um, the whole team, we did it during the pandemic, which in a way was a blessing to have work, you know, and something to focus on, but was certainly challenging to um, to, to film a documentary. <laughs> One, well, yeah, to have access to, the, to what you need to put in the documentary. Right. But you know what yeah. I thought was my, what really stuck out for me is, you know, People think that your experiences were just so one of a kind and sort of isolated. And what you've done with the documentary is really bring to light the power of public shame and 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 the vitriol and how it happens all the time, cyberbullying, um, the press, all of the time all around us in in the incidences were for these different people in your story included were, are so varied. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I guess I never, I never really thought about it that way. Well, I think that it's, you know, I mean, I've seen certainly in the last 25 years, can't believe it's been that long, but in the 25 years since 1998, I have seen this sort of online world burgeon in a, in, in myriad ways. Right. So there was, um, we started to have different kinds of AOL chat and then MySpace and blogging. And eventually, you know, we got to this sort of explosion of social media. And I think that with social media, so many people having voices really changed our our cultural landscape that way. And, um, you know, I'm not the only person who's seen this. I mean, I think um, many people have commented that we've just started to see this kind of behavior that used to only be lobbed at at public figures now start to be lobbed at, at private people right. as well. Um, and with 15 Minutes of Shame, I think what we really wanted to do, I mean, it's only 90 minutes. So it, it really was kind of this introductory examination of asking these questions of like, how did we, you know, how did we get to where we are today with public shaming and where the fuck are we going? I mean, Anne, you talk about it. Public shaming has been part of the world and in existence since the beginning of humanity. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, something that that we discovered while we were working on the on the film that was really fascinating to me was kind of this turning point that happened around from public shaming having been kind of a um a social tool in communities. And then when the printing press came along, it now all of a sudden went out of the public square Mm. sort of person to person or gossip. And it's now on the printed page and it now started to become a commodity, you know, throw Rupert Murdoch in there and the tabloid culture. And you really start to see uh, the roots of, of how we got to where we are today. And how indelible it is and how forever it is. Yeah. It is. And I think, you know, it's like, um, 
I, I, I sometimes use this analogy that I think about, you know, we all, we all rubberneck when we see a car mm-hmm. accident on the freeway, you know, but how many of us, certainly not me, but you know, does anybody ever five minutes or five hours or five days think, oh, I wonder how that person is. Right. We, we don't, you know, mm-hmm. we, it, it sort of comes in, we, we engage Who are we going to see blood, uh, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it really resonated with me because when I was a kid, I was tabloid fodder. I mean, all the time. And it was about my sexuality and it was about, and I was portrayed a certain way and everybody had an opinion. It wasn't on social media. I don't, I don't think I would have survived mm-hmm. if the social media had existed. My mother kept it all from me mm-hmm. and I didn't read all of it until much, much later because I just found all the boxes. And I, I do identify with you in that way. And you hit on the idea in your documentary, 15 Minutes of Shame. Yeah. You open with this line, imagine waking up one morning with the whole world suddenly knowing your name and talking about you, not because you cured a disease or saved your neighbor's house from burning down. Everyone knows who you are because your secret, your mistake, has now been made public. That is so vulnerable and honest, and I I just have such empathy for you, and I'm just so sorry that it that it had to happen that way for you. Well, I mean, you you were just talking about your experiences and you were even younger, much younger than I was. I mean, it was the the technology was different and the world and it also I'm sure a lot of the attention you were getting was positive. I know there might have you were mentioning some of the negative. So there was that difference. I don't think I had any, any positive. positive. <laughs> <laughs> no one liked me. Um, but, but the level, uh, I mean, you, uh, you admitted you made a mistake or you said yes. you did, right? But then yes. the level of abuse that was thrown at you, it's unfathomable. It wasn't, I think, too, what, you know, one aspect that became very interesting to me, and I, and I think we tried to thread into the doc in, in the personal stories, was that these kinds of incidents aren't just what happens in the moment. The trauma and the shame lives with you for such a long time. And in my instance, and actually in, in sort of all of these, the public shamings that happen online, no matter the degree, mm-hmm. it impacts your life, you know? And I didn't, I didn't actually see the full effect until probably 2000, let's see, 2007 and 2008, when I, I had gone to graduate school, I tried to you know, sort of build this new scaffolding of who I was as a, as a person coming into adulthood and I couldn't get a job. And that was when I realized like, oh, this is still here. And this is, has imprinted on my life in a way. And that's actually when I came into some anger, it took me that long to come into, to any anger too. I mean, I think that there's, it's like dealing with, death or, you know, the five stages of grief. And, um, but you talk so eloquently about shame and shame coming off in layers. Can you talk a little bit about that to me? Tell me how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Let me credit my therapist who's a trauma psychiatrist. Um, So, I mean, she's really, really helped me to see in different times of times that I've come in to sessions and gone, well, I think I'm depressed again. You know, and when we unpack that and really examine it, it's usually grief 
And that grief is usually connected to some part of a loss for me that usually tacks back to 98 in some way, Mm. you know? And so I think that there, I think what happens is, is it's this, like, it's this, it's, I know this is like such a bad metaphor, but it's sort of like peeling an onion, except if you imagine that in between the layers that you're peeling, you're healing and you're changing. So it's with more awareness, you know, it's with growth and more awareness that I think you kind of come to that next stage, almost like in a video game, you know, you've like passed that, that layer and now, oh, here's this other grief or shame aspect that, that you're looking at. Do you find forgiveness for yourself in doing that? Uh, um, I try really hard. I need a lot of reminders for that. I think like I, I try to work on it on, on, from many different angles, you know? So one thing I started doing a couple years ago is here, I can show you one. I have photos of me as a kid, mm-hmm. all over my house, like different photos. And I've sort of put them there to remind myself to like send love to that inner child, that little girl, remind her she's safe today. So uh, that's one way I do it. Another is, you know, a mantra my, my therapist gave me of like, rather than beat myself up trying to just like, yeah, that's what I do. Sometimes when I get anxious, sometimes when I'm scared, I blah, 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 blah. Whatever the thing is that I don't want to be doing. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm late. I'm late. It's a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like (sighs) being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. 
Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. We're talking about the concept of shame. And one thing that really strikes me about our conversation, which I've also heard you speak about before, is that for you and for many young women, myself being one of them, your sense of shaming yourself started at a really young age. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, I think that it was, you know, I think that there are, there are aspects like another, I'm just trying to think of how to phrase this because it sort of mirrors what we were just talking about with the the layers of of shame in a way is that there's also layers of awareness that comes. So for me, it wasn't until my life started changing in 2014 and people started to see me for more of my true self. I was able to earn an income and support myself in my forties. As that started to happen, I was able to kind of face certain other issues that had always been lurking of, you know, trauma, different traumas from before 98, you know, from my younger years in high school. I also was raised in LA. So being a little chubby Jewish girl was like, I mean, not the Jewish part, but the, you know, um, sort of the didn't fit in here, you know? So, I mean, I, I remember I went on my first diet, I think when I was maybe 11, 12, oh, that's so maybe, hard. you know, and I just, you know, and now, now I think it's, I'm sure you've experienced it too, because you also, you know, you've always been looked at for your beauty and which you have both inside and out. Anybody who <laughs> spends five minutes with you knows that. Um, Takes one to know one. <laughs> aw, we're in the club. We'll get yeah. jackets. Um, <laughs> so, but so now you're 11 years old. Do you do that? Do you, do you, is this self-imposed again? What were you like as a little girl? Like, Yes, that was, it was self-imposed. But I think it's probably what I absorbed um, from the culture, what I absorbed from school. I, you know, but as a kid, I mean, uh, my, like my mom always says that she just, I I was very strong-willed and that I knew, like, I mean, both of my parents sort of still tease me that, you know, one of the first sentences I ever said before I was two was like, hands on my hips, you are not the boss of me. You know, so, um, and I think that's, that's, that's still with me, but, um, my, you know, my mom will joke and say that she feels like she was just never strong enough to be the parent to discipline me or to, you know, to shape the kind of strong, strong willed kid that I was. What did that, that strong willed, I'm not getting off the swing little girl, (laughs) um, dream for herself? Oh gosh. Um, Let's see. Well, when I, I mean, it's, it's given my history, it is pretty funny that for a little while, when I was very young, I um, had decided that I wanted to grow up and be president. So that's, you know, (laughs) okay. Well, you, you got there, you you got into the Oval Office. (laughs) You can always say that. Yeah. It's like wrong way, uh, wrong track. Um, Definitely not, not the right way. And I, I went through different, um, stages of, I think it was always caring about people. My dad is a doctor and my mom, um, was a social worker for a while. And so I sort of grew up in this helping environment, 
um, that was just kind of an, an undercurrent in, in my family of like, you help people. Um, and so I think that there, that, that that was always interesting to me. And so it wasn't, it wasn't really a surprise when ultimately I was interested in psychology, um, also because I was fucked up. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you talk about, I mean, trauma, my God, you, you definitely went through a trauma. So did you, t- did you think you wanted to be a therapist or? Initially, actually. So from high school, I, was, I, I did a lot of um, costume design in high school. And uh, I, so I actually was looking into that as a career, but um, I think my parents sort of, you know, like many parents wanted, you know, okay, choose, choose a major that's sort of (laughs) something where you could go get a job tomorrow if you had to. But with psychology, I, I, I didn't feel I'd be able to learn the skills to leave work at home. And so I, I wasn't, interested in becoming a therapist. Uh, I was very interested in forensic psychology. So I was fascinated by that intersection of, of law and psychology in everything from jury selection to, you know, the mind of a criminal, like my dream job was sort of working at the FBI. So again, (laughs) another, I'm like, really, it's like the Monica Lewinsky story, you know, (laughs) one bad path after the other, one crooked path, you know, or. But what do you think you were trying to figure out about yourself in, in that, those twenties, you know, what were you looking um, for? I think that professionally I was, I was really interested And I've always been interested in kind of solving puzzles and problems. You know, understanding the cause of something is really interesting to me. And the idea that when you unlock that key and understand something, you can change behavior individually, collectively. Personally, I think I I was... I was looking for validation. I think I I, I felt like I was this very um, kind of split person, you know, one who was young and naive and who was looking for um, adoration and and validation that I was lovable. And I think then there was this other part of me that was, you know, exploring who, who, who was I? And that was a lot of when I moved to Portland, Oregon of like, you try on different identities, you know, nowadays, people, kids do that as a teenager on social media. But for me, that happened you know, in my late teens and early 20s. Well, and then you get validation from the most important person in the world, practically. And mm-hmm. that's, can I say, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but, but I get it. I get that. I mean, I, in, in reading the Andrew Morton book that you did collaborate with, I was struck by sort of the empathy and the understanding, sexuality-wise. There's a quote, and you say, I don't see sexuality as being something to hide away in the dark or be ashamed of. I think our sexuality is something to be honored, cherished, and valued. Mm -hmm. That is such a fascinating piece of you. How do you think those two things happened in your psyche? Was it, do you think, a reaction to the shame that you had about your weight and the mm-hmm. struggle was a defiance. Those two things coexisting really is fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting to me too, where it also takes on a whole other layer is I, um, I had had uh, 
an experience when I was 14 that I didn't even recognize as being an unwanted sexual experience until I was in my 40s. So I look back on a lot of my behavior and and it's clear there are probably other things that happened when I was even younger than that, that somewhat led to that situation. And so I think that there was a lot of um, dissociation for me, you know, a lot. And, and I know there are a lot of young women who, who go through and men who go through that too. And so it's, it's interesting. It's not that I feel differently than that quote now, but I think I was 25 years old. I had, I had been trying to that part of me that was trying to figure out who was I, I, an aspect of my social identity to myself was I'm comfortable with my sexuality and it's a good thing. And this is what young women should do. And the truth is, is like underneath all of that, because I see it now and also impacted by what happened in 98 is like the intimacy issues, you know, the, the, the real sort of the, the very bearing of your soul and, and, and being physically and sexually intimate with someone and emotionally intimate, you know, the difficulties that, that can happen there. And with know. unavailable people in, in mm-hmm. some aspects too, mm-hmm. there's something in that. And it's not, and I'm sure, you know, it's not just a wedding ring that makes someone unavailable. I mean, there's the, you know, we could probably have a, a whole um, museum exhibit of <laughs> different kinds of unavailability. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'll be, I'm 49. I'll be turning 50 in July. And this last year has been so much about acceptance for me of just sort of recognizing, okay, where am I? And and accepting that. And I, you know, there's, there's a part of me that looks at some of my relationship history and has just gotten to a point where I'm like, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe I can't do that. Maybe I have this really deep, I mean, I'm so lucky. I have, I have incredible friends. I have really deep emotional intimacy with these people. There's, there's not a barrier there. And yet I think, I don't know, I seem to well, don't not cross be able- it off. Don't, 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 no, don't say it's that not, statement. It's, <laughs> but I also, right. But it's just, I think that there's also, it doesn't mean I can't have connection. It doesn't mean I won't evolve. It's, you know, things may not shift, you know, there's, I'm hearing a lot of people who um, are trying MDMA therapy and having a lot of success and especially with PTSD. So, you know, who knows, but I, I'm, I'm not trying to, it's not like a, a sob song or, you know, violin playing moment of like, Oh, I, I, you know, retired from romance or anything. I think it's just about coming into your own being okay with, with where things are. It doesn't mean you become complacent, but you just, you're okay. You didn't just become okay. You know, I want to, I want to really applaud you for all of the work and the time and the willingness to confront and talk. And, you know, you didn't just push things and shove stuff under the carpet. And, you know, you've you've had, there's been a lot of abusiveness Mm -hmm. towards you and, and towards that little girl. And well, I talk a lot about this, um, about a reclaiming, of yourself. And I didn't start that until my Mm fifties. And I'm happy for you for this next phase, because I think it's a blooming, it's a, it's a different type of a, of a blossoming and, but you've done the hard work to, to get there. I, I, um, 
I have. I'm going to, I will accept that. So thank you. It is, it's, um, I, I was actually just saying yesterday to someone who um, has, for positive reasons, but kind of uh, come into a lot of attention in a fast way, somewhat unexpectedly. And I was saying how in order to do, like in 2021, when impeachment was coming out and a month later, 15 Minutes of Shame was launching and I was needing to do a lot of things that are very uncomfortable for me. The amount of support that I had to build for myself is crazy. You know, I mean, it's the the regular therapist, the somatic therapist, the energy work, the friend of pissed, the oh, <laughs> this other wow. energy work, the crystals, the the you know, the person I work with practicing and hearing questions that could upset me so that I'm able to show up because it's really scary for me to show up um, publicly that way. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm late. I'm late time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists this summer make your walt disney world vacation more affordable than ever escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less buy from undercover tourist and authorized seller and link to official walt disney world apps so you can add on genie plus and lightning lane upgrades easy book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save undercovertourist.com Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like (sighs) being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. What's interesting is you did so many interviews. Yeah. Back in, in the day, and you were so open and so on. I'm so curious to, in looking back at them, what do you think about them? What is your opinion of the Barbara Walters interview? Because I have an opinion about my yeah. Barbara Walters inter- interview. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, Barbara and I had a, a friendship that, you know, went on un- until she, you know, passed recently, although I think like a number of people, I heard from her less and less the last mm-hmm. couple of years, but 
from that whole period, I mean, those those kinds of interviews are are complicated to look at now because where they're fascinating when you're not the person who's the subject is to see, oh, this is a reflection of where we were in the culture. It was okay to say this. It was okay to ask that of a of a young person. And I, for me, and maybe this is, you know, not that there's a right answer, but that whole period of, I just look back on it and what feels um, sad to me was I had this very naive view at the time that if people just got to know me, they would go, oh, oh, okay. You're not all these awful things that we thought. And I truly thought that after I sat down and did this, you know, big interview with Barbara and had had participated in the book with Andrew, I mean, that was more also to help pay legal fees and things that I thought, oh, okay, then people will, they'll get it. They'll understand. People will, will like me. And I, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. I mean, it, it took um, over 15 years for people to be in a place, the world to be in a place, new generations, for people to be willing to sort of scratch the surface of, of, of my true self. But you're, you're preyed upon and you're, I mean, the betrayal is, is what I'm, I mean, from Linda Tripp's betrayal, the, the non-admission of relationship yeah, with you, Bill's, betrayal. Bill's betrayal, the people who knew me, you yeah. know, there were a handful of people who, who, who knew me, who were in that, who still made the choices they made, you know. Um, and that it didn't jade you and and harden your heart is a, is a fucking miracle. Yes. I know. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm really. It's you know. I've had some incredibly unlucky things happen to me, but I'm a really lucky person because I, you're so right. I could have ended up just bitter. I could have ended up bitter, not ever trusting anybody, never opening my heart again to someone, and. That hasn't happened. And and it has come from hard work. Yeah, I was going to say, why do you think you didn't become bitter? You know, I, I, I went through phases where I was, but I think that I started, you know, I started doing, I, I say it's energy work or consciousness work in, in part because even though I've done it for over 15 years, I still don't know how to really talk about it <laughs> in the right way. But But it's really been this energy, consciousness, spiritual work that that heals and evolve my soul. Right. And so I think that because of that, and because of my friends and my family, I I was able to hold on to that core self. Okay. And that core self was eventually felt safe enough to sort of start to to blossom again. Do you think that you've grieved sufficiently the loss of privacy? No. No. I I You've gotten some of your privacy it's, back, have you? Yeah, have you I have. I have where it's definitely, and it's also shifted, you know? So, I mean, I, I say it jokingly, but there's truth to it that it's like, people don't say to me, no offense, do you know who you look like anymore? Like they'll say, oh, your <laughs> TED talk helped me or, you know, your anti-bullying campaign on this helped my kids. They start with no offense? Oh yeah. Oh, for years oh, it was like, no offense, but do you know who you look like? And it's like, 
Yes. Yes, I do. Um, (laughs) I've gotten, you know, I thought you were really going to suck, but you're, you're like, okay, you're Mm -hmm. good when they've seen me on stage. And it's like, oh, well, thank you for setting the bar so low (laughs) that I could easily, you know, jump over it. Um, Yeah. So this show um, is called Now What? And Mm -hmm. aside from the most infamous Now What? Uh, year or two or, or 15. Um, what in your life can you sort of pinpoint as another powerful now what moment in your life? I think there were two that were very close together for me. And one was my Vanity Fair essay being published in 2014 and sort of having this opportunity of writing a first person essay instead of being interviewed that coming out, having the conversations that were happening between the generations uh, that, and it was really this younger generation that kind of forced me to reevaluate or not forced me, but I think forced others to reevaluate, to reevaluate the situation. That was sort of a jumping in, having no idea where I was going to land moment. And then second close to that, I think was, um, the moment at the end of my TED talk, when people responded positively to the talk, uh, when I was in, in, in the room, people were shaking their heads. They were agreeing with you. They gave you a standing ovation. It, it, it was, um, it was the heart. I mean, Chris Anderson sort of sweetly kind of made me take the moment in, which I, I very much appreciate now because I just kind of wanted to run off stage and, you know, three quarters of the way through in my head, I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. Everybody's bored. I better hurry up and finish. And, um, oh God. So, uh, but I think from there that, that those were, um, and those only came because I took risks. I think public opinion, you know, really sort of shifted and people Mm -hmm. are looking back at 98 with a very different lens. I mean, so much of our history really does shape us, but I really firmly believe that we are also more than what we've been through. So who is Monica Lewinsky in 2023? Uh, Very grateful. I'm just a grateful person. I love to laugh. I love making other people laugh. I don't, you know, I, I'm my happiest when I'm kind of with the people that really get me that I love. And, you know, I have a handful of friends that, that the marker for me is usually around, like, can I spend an entire day with you and not get annoyed, <laughs> you know? And so like the ones that I do, like, those are my people. I'm, I'm happier in a one-on-one or a small dinner party than a big you know, big thing. So I don't know. That's not, I don't, I don't know how to say who I am now. I don't know. I'm silly. <laughs> that was the incredible Monica Lewinsky. Monica, if you're listening, thank you so much for sharing your story. The world needs to hear it from you. And I'm so grateful for your time. If you have time, go watch Monica's documentary, 15 Minutes of Shame. It's streaming now on HBO Max. And if you have extra time, Head on over to Apple Podcasts and please give Now What with Brooke Shields a rating and a review. These things really help listeners discover us. Now What with Brooke Shields is a production of iHeartRadio. Our lead producer and wonderful showrunner is Julia Weaver. Additional research and editing by Darby Masters and Abu Zafar. 
Our executive producer is Christina Everett. The show is mixed by Bahid Frazier. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm late. I'm late. It's a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.